You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon series by Pastor George Willis, which is titled Better Together. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. We had a team of people go down to Mexico to love and serve and, and minister and, and really to build a house too, uh, which is cool. And uh, we, we will play a video at uh, some other time. But what I would like to do is if you went to the Mexico mission trip, can you stand up so we can celebrate you today? Mark and Barb, thank you. Was there any other, uh, who else led? You, huh? Oh, and Dustin, we partnered with Celebration. Uh, Dustin. Uh, Warford, uh, who now leads uh, Celebration Church up in Puyallup. Uh, We partnered with them, but thank you for leading this team. Thank you for bringing the love of Christ to the people uh, who need it and and sacrificing your week and your vacation time. So we we thank you, we honor you, we celebrate you, and we can't wait to hear what God has done through your efforts. So high five. Well, I want to welcome you to Creekside Church. I want to welcome everyone online. Pat P., I know you're watching. East is watching from somewhere else uh, out of state, I think. Uh, and who else? Hannah from Arizona. Uh, Madison Silva, I know you're watching. And uh, thank you guys for joining us today uh, online, taking the time to do that. Andrew and Kayla, I don't know where you're watching from, but I saw you on there. Uh, I want to welcome you in-house as well. It's great to have all of you with us today. Today, we're starting a new three-week series, a new series that's centered around community and unity, because I think for the last few or a couple of years, a lot of us, uh, that independence in ourselves has grown a little bit, being isolated and masked and distance, and uh, you know, we kind of got used to it being about us. And maybe for some of us, we've forgotten how to live and move and walk in unity. In unity. A three-week sermon series called Better Together. And we're going to explore what it looks like for us as Christ followers, as Christians, to live in an authentic community as one. But first, I want to talk about the word independence. Independence. It's one of those core values in America's culture, right? Our whole nation was kind of founded on this idea of independence. I mean, we celebrate it next week. And we were taught from an early age, maybe some of us were raised to be self-sufficient, Take care of yourself. Look out for number one. We are told to fend for ourselves as a sign of strength and maturity, right? You're not mature enough to adult today. I mean, it's a preferred trait in in our culture, in our society, to be independent, self-sufficient, to fend for yourself. And those who can't go it alone, those, you know, they're viewed as weak or at least as less capable than those who appear to be self-sufficient. 
or independent. I think we value independence and individualism above almost anything else in our life. But we were not created to live that way. We weren't created to live independently. We are created and called to live in community. Let me say it again. Only this time, let me make it more personal. You were created, called, and equipped to live in community. So if you're like me, all of us introverts, we're going to talk about this more in our own homes alone. No, I'm just kidding. You were created and called to live in community. From the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, God creates man. And you know what he said after he created man? He said, it is not good for man to be what? To, to be alone. It is not good for us, you and I, to be alone. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not good for you to live this life alone. And if you're sitting next to nobody on either side, it's a good opportunity to think about someone that you want to invite to church next week. Because it's not good for them to live life alone either. And, and this reality, it's not just because God might be lonely or God might be bored or God needs a, a buddy, but because God wired you, God wired me, God wired every single one of us for relationship. He created us, created us and called us to live in community, to live this life with other people. I think that one of the problems might be most of us don't, you know, really want to do this. Most of us, some of us may totally dig living this life alone. And I understand that. And I don't think it's because we're anti-community or we genuinely don't like people. I think some of the issues might be, maybe some of us, we, we, we don't want to live in community because we might not really understand what it means to live in community. Maybe for some, we don't want to do it because we've been raised or we've been trained in, in kind of the support family structure that we were raised in to look out for number one, to be self-sufficient, to be independent, to live your life independent of anyone else. Maybe for some of us, we don't want to because, you know, we just don't know what we're missing. Some of us don't want to do this life, live this life in community because we don't know how to actually go about living life in community. And as a result, most of us are far too focused on being individuals, being individuals, but this individualism is robbing us of joy, 
of support, of encouragement, of relationship. It's robbing us of our uh, strength and it's robbing us of, of a hope that I know that every single one of us in some area of your life is desperate for. Hope. And the only way to break the habit of, of living this life alone the only way to experience the life that we were truly meant to live is to learn how to live within community. And that's what this series is all about. For the next few weeks, we're going to explore what it looks like to live this life, this life that God's gifted us with in community. Not just as a group of different individuals, but we're going to learn what it looks like to live in unity. I thought a better title for this instead of better together would have been putting the unity into community. But see, now I got, you got two for one there. I still got to use that title. Listen, this is far more important than most of us realize. Maybe some of us, we don't even think about it. Not just because, you know, living this life alone leaves us lacking, but because we are uh, each wonderfully, uniquely created to be a part of a community. And through that community, we are called and equipped and encouraged to transform the world around us. This means that we must learn to live this life together. We must learn to live this life with others. Even when life with others is difficult. When we learn to live this life as a united community, there is nothing that can stop us. So if we're going to learn to live in community, if we're going to learn to live this life that God's given us in community and transform the world as a community, we need to understand a couple of things about ourselves. And that's what I want to uh, explore or look into today. If you have your Bibles or you, you have your electronic device with your Bible app on it, I want to encourage you or invite you to open to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I want to ask a question. We don't have to put it up yet, but that's okay. I want to ask a question. Have you ever discovered one of the reasons you struggle to connect with others is not really them, but it, it's more about you? <laughs> Must have pushed some buttons with that question. <laughs> have you ever, I mean, one of the reasons you struggle to connect with others is not really about those around you. It, it's, it's about you. And this takes some time and some honest thinking to answer that question. Maybe someone has experienced multiple failed relationships. What's the common denominator? 
maybe someone in-house or online, had multiple jobs end poorly. What's the common denominator? Maybe some of you are here or watching online looking for the perfect church, but you never find one. What's the common denominator? Maybe some of you can't find a place to connect. You never feel like you belong or the the list goes on. Again, I ask, what is the common denominator? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times others have left us or have rejected us. That's a reality of this messy, imperfect, broken life. I'm not saying we have never been the victim of, of others' hurtful actions. But if we are honest, most of the time, most of the time, when we don't do well in community, it's because of us. And I think it's because we don't understand who or what we are. It's that identity thing. We're really not secure in who we are. And it causes insecurities in multiple areas of our life. And that those insecurities then kind of short circuit a lot of our relationships. We don't understand who or what we are, nor do we understand who or what others are. And if we're going to learn to live in community, we must learn that we are uh, what we are and what this means for how we are to live our lives. So what am I? Who am I? What are you? Who are you? And how does this all impact my life? That's a great question. Let me give you the short answer. How does this impact my life? Who are you? What are you? Every single one of you are a one of a kind masterpiece. Every single one of you are a one of a kind, beautifully created masterpiece. And how does that affect my life? How does it affect your life? When you live like a masterpiece, when you act as if you are a masterpiece created by God, it transforms the world around you. And that's the point, that you are a masterpiece. Act like it. A masterpiece. That's the one thing I want you to get, to leave here, to understand today, that you are a masterpiece. Live and act like it. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this. Maybe it was an encouragement. Maybe for some it's a challenge. But he says in Ephesians 2 uh, verse 10, he says, for we are God's what? handiwork. Every single one of us in this room, look across the room, look at your neighbor. They are a masterpiece created by God, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
when he knitted us in our mother's womb. Psalm 139. The word handiwork or workmanship can also be uh, translated as masterpiece. God, the creator of the universe, the master sculptor, created a masterpiece when he created you. You were created by God. You were created for God. And you were created in the image of God. So knowing that, how do we live? How do we act as a masterpiece? Well, the first thing, if you're taking notes, is here's what I want to encourage you to do. To live like a masterpiece, you live up to your purpose, your God-given purpose. You live up to your God-given purpose. See, you you are a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece created on purpose for a purpose. And this means that you, I, we have a job to do. And because you are God's masterpiece created for good works, which God uniquely wired you, gifted you, and prepared in advance for you to do, then you have a job to accomplish, a a, a God-given assignment to accomplish. And one of the greatest ways... You can honor God, because I know that's a lot of our, you know, our, our desires, is we want to ultimately honor God with everything that he's given us, life, resources, everything. We want to honor God. One of the greatest ways you can honor God is to live up to the purpose that he gave you. To live out your purpose. Because if you aren't doing the job you were created to do, then you aren't living up to your value as a masterpiece. Your potential. For example, a vintage car. How many guys are into vintage cars? Yeah. A vintage car is a masterpiece. You don't use it to haul the kid's soccer team around. They make minivans for that. A 1954 Fender Telecaster. Almond white with a white pickguard, maple neck. Pristine condition. You may have seen one recently. You're not going to give that to your seven-year-old to bang around on it. Because of the value, right? If you had an original Rembrandt or Monet or Picasso, you wouldn't use it to cover up a hole in the wall or to line your your cat litter box with it. Why? Because it's not living up, it's not being used according to its value. Because those are one-of-a-kind masterpieces. You use it according to its value. And since you are you and me, we are masterpiece, you need to live up to your purpose. 
You need to be used for what you were created to be used for. That's why I I think the New Testament spends uh, time talking about things that Jesus' followers shouldn't do. That we shouldn't do as, as followers of Jesus. Now, God doesn't want, you know, just want a list of arbitrary rules, but he recognizes that we are valuable masterpieces, his creation. He made us. And you know why he gives us a list of things not to do? Because he doesn't want his masterpieces. He doesn't want you and me to be devalued. What's your job? What are we created for? Where do we find value? Your job, what you were created for, is to represent Jesus. This means you represent Jesus in how you treat one another. You represent Jesus in how And in the ways you hold a conversation with people. You represent Christ in how you manage your time. And I truly believe too because we are, are, uh, you know, our bodies are temples. We represent Christ in how we take care of our bodies as well. So if you're going to be a masterpiece, if you're going to live up to your purpose, you need to ask yourself, how am I representing Jesus? Because I know in my own life, it's not the person of Jesus that people have a problem with, it's how I project Jesus how they see Jesus through me and I need to get out of the way. How am I, how are you representing Jesus? Not just when a vote goes your way, but also when it doesn't go your way. How are you representing Jesus? When you're working for a boss that treats you horribly, how are you representing Jesus? When your neighbor parks his car in front of your yard, two inches from your car, how are you representing Jesus? How are you representing Jesus? I mean, never think of what, never think of uh, 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 what you what you are doing doesn't matter. When you represent Jesus wherever you are, you are living a life of infinite value and purpose. You are doing your job, even if the situation you find yourself in seems incredibly boring or insignificant. Your job is to reflect Jesus back into the world. We are his Hands and feet. I don't like you to lift one. I got a bad back. We are his hands and his feet. 
Your job is to reflect Christ. So ask yourself, what and who are you reflecting? And the second way you live and act like a masterpiece is, and this is where I think we kind of fall short. We recognize the value of others. We recognize the value of others. Just like you were created in God's image and are therefore a masterpiece, everyone you interact with was also made in the image of God. It's just not those who are Christians. Everyone was made in the image of God. And if everyone else is also a masterpiece, then you got to ask yourself, how am I treating other people? I mean, stop and think about that for a minute. Because I know most of us, we love the idea that we are a masterpiece. Right? God broke the mold with this. No, I'm just kidding. We love the idea that we're a masterpiece. I mean, we're lo- we love how we are made in the image of God, but if that's true, then understand that everyone else is also made in the image of God. And living this life that God's given us in community only works when we realize we are made in God's image and when we recognize everyone else is also made in God's image. It kind of changes our perspective on people. That's why the New Testament is not only full of things we should avoid, really to help us, remember, recognize our value, because when we do things we probably shouldn't do, it kind of devalues, right? But it also is full of things that we should do, but not just do, do for others. Because God wants us to recognize their value as well. That's why Paul wrote these words to one of the communities who followed Jesus in the first century. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, he said, do this. Do nothing. Do nothing out of what? Or? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Value others over, better than yourself. I mean, a real world application, if someone goes, hey, I, I, I need a, a washer or a dryer or a refrigerator, just an example. Um, you know, you don't go, oh, we got an old beat up dusty one that barely works in the garage better than ourselves. No, let me go buy you one. Better. If a man asks you for a shirt, give, give him your jacket as well. Better. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, rather in humility, value others. Value others. Treat others better than you treat yourself. 
not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know what this means? Do nothing out of selfish ambition. It, it really is talking about partisanship and jockeying for position, or maybe you can relate to campaigning for something or manipulating to get your way. Has anybody ever done that? Manipulating the situation to get your way. Do nothing out of vain conceit. Selfish ambition and vanity are the status quo for our culture. But for those who follow Jesus, Paul says, no, no, that's not how a masterpiece treats another masterpiece. Instead, we must learn to value others above ourselves. This is what Jesus did, and this is how Jesus lived and impacted all of humanity. And when we live like this, we reflect Jesus back into our world. A hurting, oftentimes hopeless world. In fact, Paul follows this up with, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as who? Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, what did he do? He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. The way a masterpiece treats one, another masterpiece is by making yourself a humble servant like Christ. And do you know the best way to do this? Go back to your God-given purpose. Go back to your God-given purpose. Go back to the job. Go back to the assignment that God gave you. And reflect Jesus back into your world by serving others, by loving others, by valuing others above yourself in humility. Mom or dad, reflect Christ back into your world by serving your kids. How are you serving them? A husband to your wife, how are you serving her? A wife to your husband, how are you serving him? At your job, how are you serving your coworkers around you? In your neighborhood, how are you serving your neighbors, your street, your cul-de-sac. In the marketplace, how are you serving them? Online, how are you serving all of your 675 closest friends on Facebook? <laughs> how are you serving? At school, how are you serving your classmates in your classroom or your teachers or how are you serving them? How are you reflecting back Jesus and the hope and the healing that he brings into a broken and hurting world? You were created by God and you are a masterpiece. Everyone you come into contact with was created by God, which makes them a masterpiece as well. So if we're going to be one, if we're going to live in unity, if we're going to put the unity back into community, yes, I did it again. 
And if we're going to get this community thing right, we have to recognize that we are all masterpieces and we have to live like it and we have to act like it. We have to talk like it. And as the worship team comes up, I want to close with this. Stand with me if you are able. So here's what I want to ask you. What is your takeaway? What is your takeaway? How are you going to leave here differently than the way you entered this morning? What is your takeaway? What, what, are, what are we going to do with this? May I suggest a three-step takeaway for you this morning? The first step, I want to encourage you to pray that God will help you realize that you are uniquely created that he uniquely wired you and gifted you as a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. There is not another Kelly Sealander on this earth. There's not another Barb on this earth. Uh, There may be one or two Mike Whites, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. There's not another Mike. And uh, the guy I keep meeting for the first time every Sunday, Chris, there's not another Chris on this earth. There's not another Trev. There's not another Tanya. There's not another Kristen. Not that I ever looked. (laughs) You are a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. So pray that God will help you realize that you are uniquely created. And ask him to reveal it to you. Ask him to show you your value in his eyes. Ask him to help you see yourself that way. The second step is ask him to help you see others the way he sees them. Not how you want to see him, not through your opinion of them. Ask God to help you see others the way he sees them. Ask him to show you how you can serve those other masterpieces that you come into contact with every day. And the third thing I want to leave you with is once you pray those first two steps and ask God, then simply start serving. Start serving. Start doing something. Start serving. Start treating others. Start valuing others above yourself. Start serving. Don't wait for the perfect time. Don't wait until you feel well-equipped. Don't don't wait until you feel like it or feel qualified. Just serve. Just love people. Serving people is not trying to get your opinion across. Serving others is is not trying to make people believe the same thing you do. Serving people is just allowing the love and the character of Christ to overflow from your life. And if we're going to find unity and move in unity, then it's important to recognize ourselves and others as masterpieces that God has created. And not just created, but created us to be. You are a masterpiece. God broke the mold on every single one of us. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you help every single one of us here today, watching online, to see ourselves as you do, unique 
gifted with a purpose and assignment that, you, that you've already equipped us for. Help us to see our value, Father God, that you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. Not for his glory, but for your glory, that we, we will be connected with you, Father. He gave his life, the ultimate sacrifice, Father. Help us to see our value so we can in turn see the value in others around us, the value of others around us, knowing that they were created in your image as well. Father, give us the eyes to see others the way you see them, Father. Let, it, let the, the, the cloudiness of opinions and uh, different beliefs, whatever it may be, Father God, whatever is clouding our vision and seeing others as created in your image and seeing the value of it, remove it in the name of Jesus and let the character and the love and the, the kindness and the humility and the patience and the self-control and all of that all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that comes through a relationship with Christ, let that overflow from our lives as we connect and serve other people. It's for your glory, Father. And it's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Value the masterpieces in your life. Can't wait for next week, guys. Have an amazing week. You're loved. You're loved more than you probably realize by a God who is so good, so faithful, and who values you beyond what anything we can comprehend. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday. 